Hello and welcome to Design Unmuted, a podcast that centers marginalized voices in design, art, and all things creative. I am your host, Divine, a landscape designer and social critic. All right. Um, thank you, Yute, for being with me here on another episode of Design Unmuted. Yute Lee is an urban planner by training, I believe, if I got my research right. <laughs> yes. He's also an awesome videographer, and he makes these incredible videos about Vancouver's um, kind of like urban planning issues, urban infrastructure, local government, local food, and all kinds of great things out there. And I think you've called it about here. That's right. uh, Before we go any further, could you please introduce yourself and tell us something that nobody would find on the internet by creeping on you? Oh my God. What a way to be. Uh, first off, you're you're too kind, Divine. Uh, thank you for that intro. That I think that about sums it up. Uh, I think all the stuff uh, uh, that has to do with me that is on the internet is all the stuff that really needs to be out there on the internet about me. <laughs> but if I was to choose one thing, uh, uh, okay, so <laughs> uh, you know, this, I'm kind of like half cheating, but like there, it's because there is still some evidence that I have done this out there in the uh, the internet. But I, I used to be really quite into the ukulele, and mm. at one point in time, I was an aspiring like YouTube ukulele cover artist. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, uh yeah cool. so yeah don't don't oh my god what have i done actually they're gonna be a lot of people i am definitely going to google this <laughs> so so there's some really cringy baby face Ute covers out there uh of, you know such uh, uh staples such as sweet home alabama on the ukulele <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a very a very poor song choice in the context of 2021 but you know back in like 2016 it was kind of a fun song to play <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. So do you have the so, internet with, with you today? No, no, no. Is I, that uh, a lie? I, that, is, that is definitely, that is definitely not a lie. No, I actually, <laughs> I, I keep it, I keep it at my parents' house, uh, uh, locked away as, as it should be. You know, I try to forget about it. No, I'm kidding. I, I actually, I do have like pretty fond memories of the ukulele and there's this kind of like whole side tangent of a story we could get into about like how there's this pretty crazy ukulele scene in Langley, uh, the, which is my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I spent like a good, like, gosh, like five or six years of my childhood really immersed in the instrument, playing with uh, like local ukulele groups and even touring Hawaii. Uh, so, so yeah, there, there, there's sort of like some, some dirt wow. on me you could. <laughs> so you were no, actually good enough to tour. That's impressive. Yeah, well, one could say that. Yeah, sure, sure. I, you know, it was a group. It was part of a group. So I think like I blended in with much more talented musicians. Huh. So is that where you got your beginnings of being in front of a camera? Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I think th- now that you mention it, perhaps I, I feel like that definitely got me a bit more comfortable with having mm-hmm. stage presence and not mm-hmm. being necessarily really freaked out by having people watching you. Um, I think uh, the director of this ukulele group that I was a part of, it was, it's, uh, oh, I shouldn't throw out too many names because these are all available on YouTube. So it's like, <laughs> I'm like, kind of like, like the PR side of my brain is like, oh, what do I want people right now to you see? You started this, you gotta, we're, I in, can't. we're, we're in now. <laughs> we're stuck in it now. Oh my God, Divine. Uh, I mean, hey, hey, listen, I, I I hope it does serve some entertainment value for some people. Uh, but uh, I, uh, yeah, the, but I will, what I will say is uh, the, the director of that ukulele group was an absolute firecracker of a showman and uh, just knew how to get a crowd going, knew how to really like engage an audience. And I think uh, from like, I kind of picked it up secondhand from from that. Mm-hmm. I, that that's kind of like the reflection I'm having right now at the moment. Uh, you know, I, I think in general, I've also, I've always been like adjacent to mm-hmm. kind of like showy type of people. Uh, my friend group in high school were, were all drama kids. I was never in 
like drama class myself, but I just happen to hang with those guys. And, you know, they're just like a bunch of flamboyant dudes that like, you know, really knew, <laughs> knew how to like, right, right. Just like, again, get attention. So I think part of me, you know, in later years, I'm, I'm there, there must, some of it must have rubbed off on me. So some there's a, yeah. A lot yeah, of it? You're pretty good in front of a camera, so I yeah, I'm pretty good at like reciting lines from a script. I don't know if I've picked up like their level of improv or I don't know general acting skills. Like I, I can't put on like much of a, you know, a crying scene or or anything super <laughs> emotionally heavy. Uh, I, I suppress all of those, <laughs> but uh, oh. no, no, just, you're like uh, I actually I, want to cry right now. Oh my, I'm, I'm like. No, I, I'm I'm like half joking, but uh, uh, but you know what? I think uh, I think there's definitely a part of me that really understood from an early age, like uh, how to articulate, how to sort of you know be comfortable uh, mm -hmm. in, in a bit of a crowd and in a way. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good uh, segue into um, your work with About Here. Can you? tell us a little bit what exactly it is and how, how did that come about? Cause it's, it's a really interesting <laughs> name. Yeah. Um, and how I'm happy to it? get it. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm very, imp I was like wondering in the back of my mind, like how is she going to transition from ukuleles to <laughs> <laughs> about here? But here we are. We, you made it happen. I'm really, <laughs> really impressed. Uh, so uh, about here, the origin story. I mean, if I had to like pick like a, a start to begin, I actually would go back about six years to when I was uh, living in Halifax. Mm -hmm. uh, about here is not the first time that I've ventured into making videos about urban planning issues. I actually mm -hmm. started making videos about urban planning while I was in planning school out in Dalhousie University, out in the Maritimes. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, I started uh, a YouTube channel called Planifax uh, uh, mm -hmm. at the time with a good friend of mine named Byungjin. Uh, we were buddies in school. And through that, we, yeah, like we, we kind of started it because uh, uh, we were having this conversation about how, uh, like there were all these YouTube channels that were really popular uh, about like physics and math, like, you know, like minute physics, it's like mm -hmm. this whiteboard animation style YouTube channel has like millions of subscribers and it explains like, like math equations and science facts. And we were saying like, like where, where's the, like, where's the YouTube channel dedicated to urban planning, which, you know, frankly, in our mm -hmm. humble opinion <laughs> is a bit more <laughs> relatable to the average person, right? Like the shit that right. actually happens right in your backyard or your front yard. So uh, that was kind of like our starting point, our impetus for starting this uh, kind of journey of sorts. We did Planifax for about three, four years, or at least I did that for about three, four years. Then I moved back to Vancouver, um, uh, you know, for a number of reasons. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it, you know, mm -hmm. frankly speaking, I was a bit burnt out uh, and I came back thinking like, oh yeah, like maybe I'll just like hang out with the family for a bit that, you know, they're yeah. out in Langley. I, maybe I'll like sort of apply to some planning jobs. Maybe I'll, you know, do some soul searching. And mm -hmm. inevitably I like found my way back to just, you know, wanting to make videos again. It, mm. And, uh, you know, uh, like I was just, you know, not having much luck finding planning work. I was kind of a bit, yeah, not really excited about jumping back into the profession in any way. So mm -hmm. I uh, decided to start up a YouTube channel again. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And uh, started, uh, initially started a, a YouTube channel called The Urban Analysis, <laughs> which is the most... <laughs> The, the sexiest name ever, of course. Very sexy. I'm <laughs> sure you've gotten a lot of followers. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> the first. <laughs> and, and, you know, I made, a, I basically made like a, 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 a video that would eventually go on to be the first About Here video, but it was on like uh, when UBC gets a Skytrain. Uh, all right. Right, the Millennium Line Extension Project, all that. Uh, I showed the channel to a friend of mine who was like, that is the lamest title I have ever heard <laughs> for a YouTube channel. The Urban Analysis, what are you thinking? So I was like, fuck. All right, back to the drawing board. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, and kind of, yeah, eventually came up with the name About Here. And that, I had like a, like my thinking at the time was like, you know, to some extent, urban planning and this sort of profession that surrounds it 
can be so full of jargon and so mm -hmm. like you know just like i don't know like we throw out words like like shape your city or like public spaces that are vibrant or I don't know, placemaking, I don't know, all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff that like, I think to the average person means very little. So I kind of like was like, you know, what, what is this? Like, what's at the core of what urban planning is trying to do or, and what, what I'm trying to do, I guess. And, you know, I, I hate to get like too romantic about it, but I really think it boils down to this idea of grounding people to the places they live in, the, the here, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There's so much content and information out there about, you know, just so much like uh, high level, like pretty broad issues, con you know, stuff. I mean, like we like had like four years of Donald Trump, which is like has nothing to do with anywhere that we actually live, at least in the Canadian context. So so to me, like about here was really a response to that kind of landscape of media. I was like you know what, like, I, I want to make videos that really kind of help people think about the places they live in, uh, mm -hmm. the stuff that's in your backyard, in the streets, in your neighborhoods, mm -hmm. uh, and kind of uncover the the interesting stories that, you know, are kind of like hiding under the surface there, right? Right, right. So, so now, you've made quite a few videos of those. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering if somebody was who hadn't seen Vancouver, huh? mm. how would you mm. describe Vancouver in one or two sentences Oh, my. oh to someone God. who's never <laughs> been here? I thought the difficult question would be the non-internet stuff, but <laughs> this is difficult. <laughs> uh, you got to let me think. Gosh. Uh, all right. All right. This is I, like, I will... not, not, not to overthink. Like, no, what are oh, some yeah, of the you're... things? see that's the problem i am an overthinker divine so i'll be like what the what is the Welcome perfect i mean okay the club. <laughs> <laughs> uh i i think there's, there's like a kind of a cynical <laughs> take that i have about vancouver but also like yeah. a, a a more forgiving take so maybe i'll like try both i right. think there is like uh in a sentence you, you know um gosh there's a great book uh that I'm forgetting the author of, but it's called Exploring Vancouverism. And, and, and it's a book where the, the author kind of talks about Vancouver as, or just compares Vancouver to like the, the story of the emperor without clothes or the emperor's new, it's like basically like the emperor is butt naked, but like everyone's like, oh, you've got great clothes because they're too afraid to like say that the emperor's butt naked. And I think sometimes <laughs> like Vancouver has this kind of like, a lot of people are afraid to criticize it for like it's urban planning am i what am i trying to say here it, it, that like it uh mm, you know what i might have to just like kibosh that whole analogy because i'm not like <laughs> making sense to my fucking self right now <laughs> <laughs> that's okay or well, maybe this, but, this is too difficult or maybe just no. throw out some words yeah, let, let me, uh, you know, I'm going to give this another go, you know, and, and I don't yeah. know if you want to slice and dice and edit this, or if you don't want to, why not? People maybe deserve yeah. to know my chaotic thought process. <laughs> uh, but okay, I think there is like this kind of like, I think, okay, so Vancouver, for me, is like mm -hmm. a city that is somewhat obsessed about lifestyle. It's a it's a lifestyle kind of city, right? Mm. And, and that's something a bit of a, a characterization that's thrown out to cities generally down the west coast of North America in general, uh, uh, that, you know, it's a city that really prides itself on the beauty of its natural surroundings of, uh, you know, good food and culture, and to some extent, like the aesthetics of a beautiful city, which, mm. you know, kind of gets a bad rap. And I think understandably, because like, you know, maybe that sort of aestheticism is covering up a lot of, I guess, ignorance towards like, sort of the root economics of a city uh you, you know i think there's like there's this real tension uh this is going to be a lot longer than a sentence sorry oh, <laughs> but, but there's like you know for example like you know if you think about why vancouver exists in general in the 21st century is really because it's a port city like we are the gateway from you know pacific rim countries to canada and most of the stuff you order through amazon through the internet or whatever a lot of those products they just come through the port of vancouver but like the biggest you know tension in the city is like the port of vancouver needs like a industrial lands and it needs highways and a lot of this like railway infrastructure that vancouver itself doesn't want to build because it doesn't 
like really align with its own image of itself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the the sort of the bad rap it gets is like a, it's a city that's really focused on its image and looking good on the world stage rather than about like its core eco- economics. Mm-hmm. But I've also like, you know, where I feel a bit more, I guess, empathetic to the the mission of Vancouver perhaps is like, you know, it, it is maybe like similar to this tension we all have in our lives, which is like, how much do you want to balance your work and your like purpose and all this kind of heavy hitting stuff to also like, how much do you want to enjoy your life and how much do you want to actually you know, uh, create a life around you that is beautiful. And, and to some extent, Vancouver mm-hmm. is balancing that uh, and trying its hardest to do that. Uh, it's a city that is definitely has prioritized a lot more of its lifestyle above its kind of like, I think many would argue it's like economic heart. And yeah, like, I don't know, like city fundamentals to some extent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 it's really trying to do that while, like, or it's really trying to, you know, create like a beautiful place and and who's to who's ultimately to you know be mad at somebody for wanting to do that right like what is life really about (laughs) sorry if i get did i get too deep so so there's that um and of course like i mean and i think you know one of the uh key things that like that uh that focus on aestheticism and you know, lifestyle, what, one of the key blind spots that has produced in the past is, I think, uh, uh, overlooking inequality uh, and inequity in the city, uh, because that tends to be one of the first things sacrificed when you're like trying to, you know, focus a bit more on like, like a lifestyle city, let's say, mm-hmm. right? And what would you think, what would you describe that lifestyle as, like the, the Vancouver lifestyle? uh <laughs> whatever it is it's like it, it involves yoga pants and like really <laughs> expensive rain jackets i think i don't know um it, it it i think it is maybe boiling down to it as like all the stuff that exists outside of like life's purpose you know it's about the enjoyment of life that's kind of what i mean by lifestyle like you know going hiking out on the weekends uh having like beauty all around you preserving nature uh really uh, and, and in some cases like in, in messed up ways like preserving some some neighborhoods for you know the character and certain sort of like urban forms yeah there's like a real like I, I guess like dogmatic attitude in Vancouver around form and it's mm-hmm. like like it's like there's a certain type of like low density that the city really likes and there's a certain type of high density that the city really really likes and stuff that doesn't fit into either of those aesthetics doesn't really get accepted mm-hmm. uh so you know like obviously there's a the single family neighborhood and you know there's kind of like that cool like uh the, the west side look there's the east uh east vancouver look of all those sort of like uh um vancouver specials and all that that's like a pretty low rise density form that vancouver really has like an affinity to but then like i think i would argue that like the the downtown has like a very sort of like hard-lined stance on aesthetics as well. Like it's like the podium and tower look, right? Like the city doesn't really build much other than that. And that's sort of become our brand. Like you look at the city that is, Mm -hmm. it's like these really skinny residential towers on top of these kind of podiums. And like, you know, like when you kind of ask the planners and read about their justification for why they chose that form, it comes a lot down to aesthetics. (laughs) It comes down to like preserving view planes and uh, a, a street you know, interaction between street and building. And so I think that's kind of what I mean by like a city that focuses on aesthetics and lifestyle is like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about the enjoyment of the city, not so much about like the city being an engine of opportunity and prosperity, let's say. Mm. Damn, that's deep. That's pretty sad. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think so? I I mean, you know, like like, there's, like I said, like there's like a cynicism that I have about that, which is like, yeah, like Vancouver just like has no soul. It doesn't really care about doing anything like of depth. Uh, But there's also Mm -hmm. like part of me that's like, well, I think I would hate to live in a city that was only focused on economics and like that as well, right? Like there is, the city does do a lot to try to make life here enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And that is a noble pursuit uh, but it's sort of one of those things like it's like too much of anything is, you know, you'll, you'll really end up you know, overlooking a lot of important things. So I, I think that kind of if I was to criticize 
the city a bit. I think that's kind of what's happened. It, it really does <laughs> seems to have focused on like enjoyment of the city over the the function of the city. Let's say. Mm, I see. I see. And so, mm -hmm. when you talk about soul of the city, uh, are there places that you've been that you felt had more soul? And then, what made you feel that way? Oh, good question. I think, um, I mean, I, I'm definitely a bit biased, but like, I have really fond memories of going to some of the ethnic, like, neighborhoods in Vancouver, uh, where immigrant businesses are still thriving. Uh, there's Lohi Town Center mm -hmm. in Burnaby uh, and Coquitlam that uh, that I love to go visit. There's a mall uh, called Henderson Mall in Coquitlam. That's like, it's like the shittiest looking mall ever, but <laughs> right. it, like, but like in terms of like the, the, the things that's happening there, it, it's mm -hmm. so you, A, you'll have like, you'll find some of the best food in the city mm -hmm. in, in, a, in that shitty mall, but you'll yeah. also have like daycares and Taekwondo studios and a K-pop studio and like all these other businesses that really end up turning it into like, like it, you, you feel like you're in like, like, I don't know. <laughs> For me, I feel like I'm like in Korean church because it's like a lot of just families with kids, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, having food, you know, dropping off their kids at Taekwondo or picking them up from K-pop school or something. And like, There's you know. school. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a K-pop <laughs> recruitment, oh, wow. like training studio in Coquitlam. Uh, I don't know if anyone big has come out of it, but like, you know, it's kind of interesting. About to. <laughs> I, who knows? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it'll, like Vancouver or Coquitlam, BC will be like the the next BTS, you know, <laughs> or something. Hey, who knows? Um, yeah. But all that to say is I think there, uh, like there's something we said that for some reason in this city, a lot of the stuff that's new uh, i would say like like false creek oh, oh gosh sorry like yale town some of those like like mm -hmm. newer condo developments and whatnot i think i hate to say it because like I, i'm a big advocate for density but uh mm -hmm. for some reason they haven't like they don't have the the cultural depth let's say mm -hmm. or vibrancy i don't i'm not sure if i like that word but but you know like that that sort of activity of some of these other kind of more uh, these communities that have like just like depth to them um east right. van commercial drive like those places they still have like you know like just oh like like culture <laughs> to right. it uh there's a great video out there uh it's quite popular now but from a guy named uh dave amos who has a youtube channel mm -hmm. called city beautiful uh, and mm -hmm. it's something like, like, is Vancouver the best city in the world or something like that? Super provocative title. Uh, but <laughs> his, one of his theses is like, you know, Vancouver was super successful at bringing suburban values to the downtown. And like when oh, he, wow. like when he mentioned that, I was like, yo, that makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. downtown Vancouver with all of its density is, it still feels like a sterile, very like, <laughs> exclusive kind of like has like a suburban kind of energy to it because right. it's really prioritized those sort of suburban values right like having mm -hmm. families and having you know that and, and also because it's fucking expensive <laughs> so right yeah, yeah you know it's funny because you, you were mentioning how vancouver prioritizes the image and and like you know mm -hmm. the lack of soul and i'm like you know even that image isn't that great like if you're gonna really sacrifice like Right. At least make it look good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my. I mean. Oh gosh. That's a. Yeah. There's a cer certainly a bit of an irony, I think, to a, a city that really focuses on lifestyle and aesthetics, but then the end product being a lifestyle and aesthetic that <laughs> you can very easily criticize. So right. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. I it, it's. Uh, uh, yeah. One could say that's a bit ironic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also like something that I've really try to center kind of in my in my work is the recognition mm. that we are on Musqueam Squamish and Slavic Tooth territories and how mm. how when we're doing this work that kind of like engages with um place right mm -hmm. and I'm wondering because kind of like the things we're talking about right now it's like it's this this story of Vancouver that is really short and doesn't actually really define Vancouver in its entirety. Totally. And I'm wondering, um, in your own work and like in 
especially with like about here, how, mm-hmm. how do you see that? And, and how do you kind of like engage with the fact that we are sitting on ancestral lands that aren't our own and that mm-hmm. like, you know, indigenous communities are, we talked about issues of inequities in the city and how, Absolutely. you know, and, and I, I'm just wondering how, how that plays into, into your work. If it does at oh all. Oh my gosh. I, that's a, yeah. I, I think that's an appropriate question for anybody that's covering the city right now. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm not going to st- uh, sit here and tell you like, Hey, I've got it figured out and I know how mm-hmm. to, you know, incorporate reconciliation into my work. But I think what uh, a principle that I always hold in the work that I do is that a really hold some skepticism of existing power mm-hmm. structures and existing, um, yeah, existing structures, existing systems, because those mm-hmm. are the systems that uphold injustices of the past. And and I think you'll really like, you know, like, for example, the city's zoning bylaw, mm-hmm. or the city's like development approval process, these like, I think you'll find a lot of inequities that get perpetuated in those rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, like, I don't want to say that is like a direct response to me, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to acknowledge the indigenous history of like this entire country, pretty, you mm-hmm. know, um, but, but I think that's kind of how I've found alignment mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff. I, you know, like, if I'm honest with you, like, I, I want to cover that more. But I, sometimes I feel terrified about like even if I'm the right person to say it right. in some ways, uh, which is a dilemma because I think to some extent it it is especially important for non-Indigenous people to take up the mantle and also advocate on behalf of, you know, reconciliation, those issues. Mm-hmm. But I also am such a noob at it. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, it, yeah, I did do a video like maybe five or six years ago at Planifax. <laughs> that was a, <laughs> yeah. like, that was kind of like comparing how uh call, like the colonization of nova scotia which mm. is actually kind of similar to the colonization of bc was kind of like a, a really shitty roommate coming over and like basically taking over your apartment because like there were like these treaties that were signed it wasn't like it wasn't like a a, a a war or a fight that ended in you know like you know land being ceded so like that kind of idea of like mm-hmm. unceded land was like no like like they never gave it up it was like supposed to be an agreement that we share the land and the resources and the you know the mm-hmm. general like you know wonderfulness of this place but uh but just kind of like bit by bit like you know uh, uh th- these pesky colonials uh, <laughs> kind of like you know really uh i, I think really exploited a, a, a relationship that uh, many indigenous people kind of trusted, um, and and I think you know to some extent that's uh, uh, th- there's a lot to kind of reflect on from that. Now, um, yeah, like for my work though, like I, I think it's an ongoing, mm-hmm. ongoing, ongoing thing. All right, I just want to take a moment to thank the Real Estate Foundation of BC for sponsoring this episode of Design Unmuted. The Real Estate Foundation of BC is a philanthropic organization working to advance sustainable land use and real estate practices in British Columbia. They do this by funding projects, connecting people, and sharing knowledge. Their grants support not-for-profit organizations working to improve BC communities and natural environments through responsible and informed land use, conservation, and real estate practices. They're particularly interested in land use projects that contribute to the upholding of indigenous rights and title and racial equity and justice. You can learn more at www.refbc.com. Thank you for your support of Design Unmuted. Now, let's get back to it. Do you feel like because you've kind of chosen to practice planning in this kind of Mm-hmm. public educational um, videos that you're able to kind of criticize these systems of power more than if you were mm. practicing planning in the most conventional sense? A- absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's partially why I did this in the first place mm-hmm. uh, is I-, I can't stay quiet when I see a- an injustice happening or a system that I think is unfair. Like, 
for me to work within it would, I think would really eat away at me over time. So <laughs> the, yeah, you, you know, I, I do feel incredibly grateful that um, having a platform, you know, it's not like a huge platform, but even a platform like this does give me the ability and to some extent, the recognition that mm -hmm. uh, to to criticize really challenge uh, existing systems that otherwise, if I did have, if I had been a bit more successful at, you know, getting into a planning job when I first moved here, I think I honestly would have changed much less. Right. Not that I'm saying I changed much at all, but I think at least, you know, I start, you know, there's there's there are conversations you can start uh, via. Mm -hmm the safety of a YouTube video <laughs> than, right. you know, like actually, yeah, stepping into, uh, you know, municipal work and politics. I mean, I, I'm sure like for you, like you, you work in, uh, like in a design firm, like, mm -hmm. do you have that frustration? Um, well, the firm I work at is, is pretty well aligned with like not taking mm. up like a huge de developer project. So that, like that oh, in itself okay. kind of cuts off a lot of that um, <laughs> well that's good <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people in the industry who still have to deal with that kind of things yeah i also yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i try not to rely too much on my on my nine to five to kind of like do the work that i want to do the community work that i want to do so mm. this podcast is essentially that like i yeah. love to sit down and just kind of like have these conversations i can't do that totally. work. nobody's gonna pay me to like <laughs> Be like, hey, yeah, what do you think about this thing? Like, I, you know, so I, I try and, but then it really leaves me burnt out and tired. Um, I, I hear you. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have so much respect for yourself and people like you, like us that, you know, kind of try this because you're right. Like nobody's out there willingly investing and putting money towards people that are, you know, challenging the, the powers that be to some extent. And so the only way to kind of, it, it has to start as a passion project. And that's how it started for me. Like, gosh, mm -hmm. I didn't make, I didn't make a living out of, you know, videos, these videos, I think really until maybe like two or three years ago. And at that point, mm -hmm. I've been doing it for like five years. So, you know, right. that's when I could start to sort of be like, okay, I don't need a part-time job anymore. I can kind of do this mm -hmm. a bit more fully. Uh, yeah. but you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to struggle. I mean, you know, I, I told you like I burnt out at, in Halifax. I, mm -hmm. I did this as a real passion project and I was really excited about like just changing yeah, in, like, you know, the system <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and at the end of the day, uh, I found myself kind of really sort of at a loss to what I could do personally to, you know, move the cause forward. And, I think, you know, uh, over time, I've re definitely learned that it's okay to take a step back from time to time. I, you know, mm -hmm. it's not like wholly your cause alone to take on. And, right. <laughs> that, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, like there's like a healthy letting go that I've learned that makes me a bit more less prone to like saying yes to a lot of things that I ultimately know will just like really drain me. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't know, like leave me feeling burnt out. I, I, and I think coming back here was so important because, you know, I, I've got my family here and yeah. that's something I, it's a privilege that I kind of try to acknowledge often, you know, it trying to like, I think really trying to do it by myself in the other end of the country, uh, you know, trying to make ends meet and, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really, it, it really <laughs> was a challenge, but yeah. I, I have, yeah, like I have a lot of respect for people that figure it out in some way. Well, seems like you have, so uh, one could say you. <laughs> we'll see that I'm, I'm, I'm you know I, I publish maybe two YouTube videos a year <laughs> uh, but I, you know I, you know I, I think I, I with something like this you have to be scrappy I, I've 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 learned to be incredibly like like there's like no part of me that thinks you know I have to do it one way or another like I, mm -hmm. I I've worked with anybody and everybody I work with the CBC I work for myself I work with well, you know, I'm not going to say anybody and everybody. I do, I do try to avoid working with companies uh, for mm -hmm. profits, but you know, I, I've worked with a lot of other nonprofits. I, you know, try to mm -hmm. pick up work where I can, and you know, because it's survival, dude. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. after the pandemic. But I mean, your yeah. medium, mm -hmm. especially now, is actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking would have thrived. Yeah, I, I will say there is a like real like urban planning 
YouTube has been popping off, <laughs> especially mm. during the pandemic. And uh, there are some channels like City Beautiful was like probably the go to urban planning mm -hmm. channel for a lot of people before this. But now we've got um, uh, there's a, a, a one based out of Montreal that I've been really digging called Oh, the Urbanity. Uh, and, okay. and they're yeah, they've got like like some of my best videos are like like bad arguments against bike lanes and they just like debunk <laughs> every, you know, shitty argument that people have around bike lanes. Um, uh, there's, of course, Not Just Bikes, which is a YouTube channel based out of, I think it's Copenhagen. Oh, no, no, not Copenhagen. It's Amsterdam. And mm -hmm. they, I mean, like the guy breaks in like millions of views on some of his videos and it's all about like, you know, urban planning. So I, I think there's like a real appetite for this kind of work. And mm -hmm. I'm really excited to be like, you know, like a little small part of it. Um, and uh Hopefully, you know, the momentum kind of continues. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I, f I feel like a lot more people are kind of tired of the the news and, and content mm -hmm. that really is that takes you away from your place and your community. Like right. a lot of that kind of media. They, I, I think it's just not as compelling for people anymore because there's just so much of it out there. But I think what really people do find compelling are, are the videos that are the you know content pieces that kind of make you think about the place you live in because you want to feel mm -hmm. connected to it right yeah, yeah. totally and I, I would probably say that you're the only one in the city that i know of who actually engages with like urban planning issues in oh. kind of like super educational formal way but also in a very um playful way as well so it's, it becomes very accessible <laughs> well thanks yeah I that, appreciate you saying that um I I, I will say there <laughs> not to uh counter that but there is another YouTube channel that I uh mm. I, I do like to tell this story because it's kind of a tragedy yeah. uh I didn't realize this when I named this about here yeah but there's another YouTube channel called or there was another YouTube. I think he changed his channel recently, but it's called yeah. This Here, okay. This Here Vancouver, uh -huh. and it was basically like a YouTube channel that talked about like urban planning projects in Vancouver, transit expansions, and like like local politics. And I did not know this channel existed until I put like I bought the website domain and you know, <laughs> made this channel. Yeah. And so like now it's like oh, there's like a This Here Vancouver. But then there's also an about here, Vancouver. It's just people are. You confused. should team up. <laughs> Maybe we need to do like a about this here, Vancouver. Or something. <laughs> do you know this person? <laughs> I've never reached out to him. I honestly, I I feel like he would be mad at me. <laughs> Understand? Because like his, like in fairness, like his channel was here first, and here comes along this other newcomer, young Bucko, and uh, you know, yeah, with a name that's very similar to his. Uh, you know, maybe maybe I should like. Ringing up, ring him up for like an apology or something. But, I mean, honestly, like right. I, I remember even like coming up with a name for my podcast. Like everything that your brain comes to yeah. is informed by already. things you're consuming, and everybody's yeah. kind of consuming the same thing. You go put it in, taken, taken, taken. You're like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like it's it's not gonna be as much of a tragedy as you think it is. If anybody understands. <sighs> You know, I think you're right. Like, it's sort of like, you know, a hundred years from now, like literally everyone's email address is going to be like their name followed by like 10 digits of numbers because it's just like <laughs> yeah. everything is going to be taken. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, yeah. I, and I like, I completely like there's, I know like for me, I I, I didn't, it's just tragic. I, I didn't intentionally you use a name very similar to that, but <laughs> yeah. It, so sort of happened. Uh, I'm kind of curious then, how, how did you come up with uh, your podcast name, Design Unmuted? You know what, to be completely honest with you, I was coming up with all these things mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, I don't love it. And then I was like, I spent a, like it was, had been a whole year of Zoom meetings. Oh, you're on mute. You're, but you're speaking. Oh, you're on mute. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> ah, that's perfect. That's fucking perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so then I was like, oh, I want to like have this platform to bring forward voices that it's not that they're non-existent. Mm -hmm. They're just not being heard or being shut down. People are speaking mm -hmm. and not being appreciated kind of thing. So I just like, it's kind of the same. I could be speaking 
on mute. It doesn't remove the fact that I'm speaking. You're just not hearing. You're just not hearing. Ah, yeah. I love it. So yeah, I, so it's the not hearing. Like, you know, when somebody's not hearing you, even though they mm -hmm. can hear you. Yeah. That kind of yeah. thing. I, yeah, I like the, like the way you say it. It's sort of like, it's not that, you know, people are sort of speaking up for the first time. It's just that you haven't been noticing it. You know, yeah. like you, or maybe the general public, the let's say the mass media has not been mm -hmm. uncovering some of these sort of stories that, yeah, I, 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 I hear you. Like there's like a whole, I mean, I think there's like, I like, I do, I spend a lot of time immersed in Vancouver politics, reading up on it, having discussions about it, thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But like, there's like a whole alter ego side of my like experience of Vancouver that has nothing to do with how Vancouver looks at itself. It's just all rooted in like being like a, like Korean kid in this city, like going to church with my parents. And like, I don't know, like, and there's like this whole side to the city that doesn't get seen, which I feel like a lot of it is in, you know, the city's uh, ethnic diversity, but also in like its uh, counterculture. Like there's a mm -hmm. crazy alternative uh, scene in Vancouver that just gets completely looked over in the city's urban planning discussion. Like when we think about like why people love the city, you know, your planner will tell you, oh, like people love Vancouver because it has like beautiful nature and public spaces and all this sort of, mm. you know, vibrancy or whatever. I think a lot of people, when they think about like why they love Vancouver, it's like it has a comedy scene that punches way above its weight. It has um, mm. warehouse parties in the industrial heart of East Vancouver. Uh, it has all these ethnic enclaves that like, you know, no matter where you're from, you'll probably find some place where you can kind of like get, you know, uh, a little taste of home, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that's the kind of shit that like doesn't get recognized in like the city's broader discourse that hopefully like, you know, podcasts like yours gets into a bit. But I'm always, I'm not going to like dictate anything here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love I love hearing like hearing this. I mean. For me, I found Vancouver's food scene to not be great. Um, <laughs> yeah, welcome uh, to chat. <laughs> in, in terms of like the diversity of the foods that's there. Hmm. Mm. What do you think it's missing? Very curious. Ah, uh, like for instance, like different African cuisines mm. isn't there. Like Caribbean cuisine isn't really present. Yeah. Even honestly, like even European cuisine isn't that. You know. I could see that, yeah. You know, Toronto, you go there and it's like, wow, that that there is a food scene. I, you know, you, I think you bring up a fair point. Like, uh, th this this city is like diverse in certain specific ways, mm -hmm. uh, which has a lot to do with like a, a very you know specific type of immigration that happened here. But yeah, like the city definitely does not have much of a black presence in terms of its like food scene or in like cultural institutions. Um, I think you could definitely argue that uh, a, a lot, yeah, like the, uh, the Caribbean community here, I, I don't think, yeah, it doesn't have like a, well, I, I can't think of a restaurant, <laughs> but also I'm not, well, you know. There's I'm, a few, that, but they're like, yeah. they're yeah. not like, it's not something you'd be like, oh, I have like a, a lot of choices and I will choose. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's That's a handful. Right. That's you know? interesting. That's so, that is different to like my experience of like kind of, well, when it comes to like Korean food, like, mm -hmm. dude, I've I got, I've got hundreds if not thousands yeah. of options. <laughs> I, I love but the Korean like, food scene here. Totally. But uh, yeah, that, that, that is interesting. Like, you know, I, I think it's a healthy reminder that like, you know, Vancouver's maybe not as diverse as it thinks sometimes. I would, I would say so. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the, it's still diverse and I, and mm -hmm. I, I love, I love all the like existing food scenes that there are. I just wish there was a mm -hmm. bit more. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's interesting. Like I, I had like a chat slash argument with my girlfriend a bit because she she was saying like like wouldn't it be nice if we had more of like a black culture or like a black scene in Vancouver and like we were talking about Hogan's Alley. I, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure if you, if you know of what happened there, it, it was yeah. a traditionally black community, kind of right in the heart of you know uh, or just underneath Chinatown, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. uh, and. Um, you know, essentially got wiped out for the construction of these viaducts uh, that we know today, the East Georgia and Dunsmuir viaducts. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think it was sort of like, like around this idea of like, 
like how how do you cultivate you know an ethnic culture and should you really take like the like should we like is it weird to like intentionally try to like make that happen like I, in, in your opinion like do you wish there was like more of a black community here and like would you support like very specific policies that prioritize like certain immigration patterns that would foster that or like certain cultural institutions uh, you know oh yeah absolutely i would i think um i don't think there's anything wrong with being intentional about it because the mm -hmm. reason why that displacement happened there was a lot of intentionality behind it so if you want mm -hmm. to have a certain community to feel welcomed and to feel like there's a place for that community you also have to be intentional especially when there was intentional efforts and continuing efforts to leave wow. them out. So it would almost oh. be impossible to not yeah. be intentional about it, right? I like the way yeah. you frame it. No, that really, yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, ultimately, um, like, it's, it's really difficult for me to, like, be like, yeah, we need to, like, fight for more, like, black spaces and stuff. But it's like, mm -hmm. we are also struggling with the fact that we're sitting on colonized stolen lands and the MST populations themselves are not getting the proper recognition. So it's like, oh, yeah. where, where, how is it, how appropriate is it? You know, like, so to yeah, me, like, that's kind stand? of like an internal struggle that I, hmm. um, I have, but like, I think solidarity work is where I, I, I hope that starts to solve some of these issues. But you're talking about like Northeast Falls Creek and projects like that that have kind of specific involvement of Hogan's Alley. No, I think in general, yeah. in, like in general, like when when you're like, oh, like you're on stolen land, you're like, oh, of this stolen land, also give me. <laughs> oh, you know what I mean, like. Well, redistribution in, in general would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> See. yeah so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's super complicated, you know? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, to some extent, like, the, I, I don't even know if I we need to open up the can of worms, but, like, uh, the, the perpetuation of, like, land ownership as kind of, <laughs> you know, a foundation yeah. of uh, Canadian society is, like, definitely at odds with a lot of, you know, I, I think uh, I would argue a lot of our goals and reconciliation and, you know, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting to me how we both sort of condemn and perpetuate the very like colonial uh, models that uh, built the city, right? Like we, yeah. we are, we like Vancouver is probably one of the most progressive cities in Canada when it comes to reconciliation, but uh, it's also one of the most pro on paper. Yeah. On paper. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of the most pro like developed, you know, land to own kind of cities in Canada mm -hmm. as well. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's also interesting yeah. to see how uh, uh, the the MSC is treating, like, Sanok, like, mm -hmm. how that's, like, that's going to, oh, man, like, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how that, you know, plays into this whole yeah. uh, <laughs> field. Totally, and I think it's probably going to be one of the first projects of that scale that shows... You know, like it's, I, I, I don't know that I know any other projects of like housing projects of that scale. Oh, yeah. It's, that is being mm -hmm. led by the nation and then, totally. you know, but still kind of operating within. With, yeah. It's within, yeah, exactly. I'm not like odds with, I'm like, you know, of course everybody needs housing, right? So that's, there's that as a baseline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Part of sovereignty is being able to do whatever the heck you wish with your land, right? Right. But at the same time, it's like the way it's manifesting seems to be a repetition yeah. of this kind of like capitalistic colonial system. So I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, actually maybe I shouldn't say that because it hasn't actually unfolded in its entirety, but um, there is a lot so of wait and see for sure, mm -hmm. but like, I, I but I, I hear what you're saying though. It is very much, uh, you know, when you go to the website and when you hear um, how the, the nation describes the project, it is very much a financial mechanism for the nations uh, more than it is like a, a, a site for 
uh, indigenous housing, let's per se, it, they, they, they see it as a way to fund more of more improvements on on on, on reserves and their own kind of community. Uh, so it is like interesting to me, like it's like, yeah, like Sinak itself is not like what we should see as, I don't think we should see it as like, this is First Nations community in the 21st century. It is a moneymaker for, you know, mm -hmm. First Nations communities. And maybe it should, I, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I applaud them for, for really gaming the system in that way. It's really like, mm -hmm. uh, a, 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 and a, there's a certain amount of like sweet justice in that I, I feel, but, uh, but, but I think there is, you know, it does have that un unsettling question for me as well of like, you know, this is definitely working within the, the colonial capitalist model that in many ways seems to be at odds or um, of course, uh, gosh, it's anytime I find myself like speaking on behalf of like what first nations values are, I'm not going to do that, yeah. but I would definitely question, you know, MSC of like, like, do you see, you know, your nation's values at being compatible or at odds with, you know, mm. like essentially the real estate industry and the housing industry. Uh, right. So <laughs> it's interesting. There goes that. Maybe you could, you should do a little video about that. <laughs> I need to get like, <laughs> I need to get Kill Salem on the hot seat and be like, yo, yeah. got to talk to you about that. So <laughs> 2022 coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, what are you? What are your plans for twenty twenty two? What's what's? Where's this podcast going? Oh, you know what? I would love. I had a my goal this year was to have twelve episodes, so one a month. Ooh, yeah. I am currently very behind. <laughs> very, very behind. I, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> so my goal is to like, can I just? For the next two months, just pump five episodes out, which are all recorded. They just need to go out. And for for 2022, I obviously want to continue, but I want to continue in a way that doesn't leave me kind of stressed with like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to do this. Mm, so it's either mm. um, getting more funding for support. Right. Right. So it doesn't all fall on myself. I was really hoping to do like, like, you know, the, the kind of style of videos that you're doing where it's like, Oh yeah. It has some, some like imagery with it because a lot of the people that I speak with, they have a lot of like visual materials that would benefit the audience mm. to be able to see what's being talked about. Absolutely. And I definitely don't have the capacity for that. So <laughs> right at this moment. So totally. That would be the dream. Yeah. Yeah continue and maybe i need to uh like maybe do one every two months which i feel like that's too that's too scattered like ideally two like one every two weeks would actually be great right that's right. my ideal kind mm -hmm. of like pace mm -hmm. um, well I, I mean honestly I, I think uh at the end of the day it, you're i think it's you're very smart to be cognizant of your capacity because you know, I think so many times projects fail because right from the get-go, we're we're just putting so much expectation on ourselves, and mm -hmm. it's very easy to dream big when you're just dreaming. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's in the execution, and I've really learned to sort of scale back my own expectations of myself, and not because mm -hmm. I'm I don't hold myself to a high standard, but just that. You know, I'd rather not beat myself up for work that I'm yeah. supposedly passionate about and, right. you know, loving. So, um, yeah, I, hey, but it, it gets me excited to hear that, uh, you know, uh, you want the podcast to continue. Uh, I'm, I mean, for me, I, I, I've really enjoyed our conversation and the way, that, uh, you know, you get me to think and these sort of, sort of curveball questions that really forced <laughs> me to like, you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to bring up the ukulele stuff. <laughs> and then like, you know, uh, yeah. So, so I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, I'm really excited to see you doing what you're doing in this space. And uh, I love the concept of it, you know, the unmuted voices of uh, uh, this field of, you know, uh, a community. I don't know how we would describe it, but, you know, I, I really, I, I think that's something that, you know, Definitely, uh, uh, I've always felt, at least my profession, the profession mm -hmm. of urban planning really needs a lot of, you know? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being so honest and open and telling you, tell me about your ukulele. Yeah, yeah maybe too honest. Career. People didn't need to hear about that. Gosh. 
And since you've already started this, now I need to yeah. know what the name of the band was. Like, you can't leave us hanging. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. For the people that made it all the way to the end of this episode, here's your treat. The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the band was called the Langley Ukulele Ensemble. Uh, and if you look it up, there's some, there's, yeah, there's a lot of videos where <laughs> that are. <laughs> <laughs> they are so cringy divine. I don't think I can <laughs> they're not they're really from a different era and uh, yeah you'll see it because it, like it's not just ukulele music it's like really bad dancing and <laughs> like, well you know what you gotta start somewhere oh and my if you brought you joy uh, yeah yeah honestly for your uh entertainment pleasure if you want to check them out the Langley <laughs> ukulele ensemble you know don't check out about here really check out this freaking ukulele <laughs> ad from from langley uh i think they're still going strong they so so uh yeah, yeah right, well, well, leave it at uh, that i'm sure they'll be glad you had that little plug-in uh, yeah uh, yeah before... you're welcome <laughs> uh, sorry sorry part ways um do you want to tell us what uh, about here is visioning mm. for the near future or even the far yeah, yeah, future? Yeah, yeah. What's coming up? Yeah, I think I'm yeah. allowed to say this. Uh, I've got a series coming out with the CBC, hopefully Congrats. on uh, their streaming platform, Gem. Uh, it's still in the development stage. So I'm, you know, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm at privy to talk about what I'm going to be covering, uh, but it's an eight-episode series on just like kind of urban planning issues uh, generally across Canada. Uh, uh, and with any luck, it'll be out early next year. God nice. willing. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's, it's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. But you know what, though? Actually, in the heart of like kind of what you were talking about, like I think in 2022, I also... I've wanted to do more, uh, I've wanted to go a bit more rogue and start like, mm. you know, like I think a lot of the work that I've done has been in like pretty safe topics that are, you know, like people like to talk about housing and urban, like transportation. These are like relatively non-controversial issues as much as like mm. they can be, you know, very, very polarized and whatever. Like they're not like, I don't know. Like I think, there are, there are issues in this city that are much more heavy and uh, mm -hmm. need to be taken very seriously uh, that I have always shied away from. And I think, you know, you mentioned it before, like, like things like our, how, how we reconcile our colonial past with our, you know, like with this indigenous sort of like, honestly, like uh, tragedy that happened. I, I don't know, like, like that kind of stuff, like really, you know, uh, I, I've been curious about and I want to, you know, have the courage and humility to start really exploring for myself, you know, um, mm -hmm. what that is all about, you know, uh, the downtown east side, the opioid epidemic, the, mm -hmm. you know, like, like a lot of these issues, I think, you know, we kind of just push under the rug because they've, A, they've existed for so long now that we mm -hmm. kind of don't even know exactly what to do about it. And like, honestly, I feel a lot of us are afraid to even sort of lift that rug up and see what's under there because it just yeah. it's so difficult of a, a a topic so heavy right so that yeah there's a, a couple of my you know thoughts on what what to do well it sounds like yeah. 2022 is going to be a, a big a big year for you i'm, I'm excited to see the cbc series well thank you and uh well hopefully we can find some ways to do some work together i really really yeah. really appreciate your the way you go about making your videos, I think, uh, I think it's uh, the length is perfect. It's got enough depth and humor, and I think that's that's what we need. So thank you for doing the work you do. I really appreciate you saying that, and I really appreciate this conversation we've had. Let's let's do it again sometime let's soon. You know, when I'm uh, when these CBC videos are out, like I'd, I'd love to recap them with you. <laughs> Absolutely. It will be my pleasure. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> See ya, guys. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Design Unmuted podcast brought to you by Divine. If you liked what you heard, please rate and tell your friends about it. You can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Find me on Instagram at Ramesha Design Unmuted and also on my website at www.rameshadesign.com. The track you're hearing is called Under the Sun by Kafaye, singer-songwriter and produced by Ozenit or Zenith by Kiga and Saint-Jean. Enjoy. Enjoy.